with cleft parents as well the journey actually doesn't matter really what type of cleft they have that journey particularly at diagnosis is very very similar and i think a lot of mums who listening may not necessarily themselves be have a cleft baby and we know that i i think you told me was it one in seven hundred in seven hundred are born with a cleft so that's actually in the uk three cleft okay. babies a day are okay. born. Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app and catch Makia every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. This is Sense by Meg Fora, and I'm your host, Meg Fora, and I'm absolutely delighted, as always, to have you with me. And today we have got a very special guest, somebody who many of you will know very well. And the reason you'll know her very well is that we have tracked her journey with her firstborn, Max, over the course of many, many months. So if you had listened to that, you will remember Cassidy. And if you haven't listened to her journey and you have got a little one, dip into the podcast we did with her because we tracked um, Cass and Max every single week for the whole first year of Max's life. And so you'll be able to go in and actually find out what's going on for a typical 17-week-old or a typical 24-week-old. And Max was pretty textbook, although he was, I mean, he was he is an exceptional little boy. We, we're biased, but he is exceptional. <laughs> but he was, he was, a lot of what he went through in the first year will resonate with all of you. And of course, Cass, like many of us, went on then to decide to have a second one. And I'm sure many of you have um, probably even heard, we, we spoke about that, I think once about, you know, when's the right time to have a second one. And Cass went and had a second one. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about her journey today. It is a very interesting journey. It is not a typical journey. So where Max did things by the textbook, little Zach is not the same. And we're going to be talking all about that today. So Cass, thank you so much for joining us here today. I know it seems strange to be back because like no time's gone at all and yet so much has changed. And we were so disciplined in that first year of uh, Max's life. We never missed um, a single week and if either of us did have something on, we'd make sure we'd schedule it early in the next week and then do a second one. Um, and I'm really grateful to you and many mums actually tell me when I chat to them that they follow Cass and Max's journey. So it's had real meaning for a lot of people. Well, I have to say, I've been quite grateful for it because I've listened to, to it back and been like, oh, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> or, or thought, oh, okay, Zach's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> you look back with rose-tinted glasses and it's quite nice to be able to listen back to Max's journey and, and first year and think, oh, no, it wasn't, you weren't as good as we remember at sleeping or whatever it might be. <laughs> It is amazing. And maybe that's why we go on and have our second and third mm. babies, because we forget all of the stuff that really was hard. And there were moments that were hard in that first year of life. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I have said to Alex a few times, 
Max never was like that. Zach is so much worse. And then I listened to the podcast and I'm like, oh my God, Max was a lot worse. And I found it, you know, that it really is funny how, even though they're two completely different babies and, you know, obviously there are, there are differences on lots of levels, but actually there are a lot of similarities in terms of the progress, the different milestones that they mm. reach, the challenges that they face the you know developmental stages and that sort of thing there is that that continuity mm. across both of them for sure absolutely and of course there would always have been massive differences between them because they've got very different sensory personalities so I'm sure in one of our sessions around Zach we can explore that a little bit because he is very different to Max mm. so I mean Cass I've been along with you for a little bit of this journey not as much not as immersed as Max and I can very well recall around about halfway through your pregnancy where you gave me a call and explained that things were not turning out as planned. And mm. that's what we're going to be talking about today. So mums, the introduction to today is that little Zach has a very severe cleft lip and cleft palate. And that journey for Cass has been quite something. And she's still on the journey and will be for a while still, probably for most of his childhood where he has will need to be having surgeries. But Cass, I would like to go all the way back to the very start of your pregnancy and the start of your journey with Zach as a, as a kind of a special needs little one in some respects, because there are going to be special needs. Yeah, so exactly that. It sort of starts at the 20 week scan for, for I think most parents as well. So, and the interesting thing we talk about that, you know, the regularity that parents go through with, with all the things. It, it, with cleft parents as well, the journey actually doesn't matter really what type of cleft they have. That journey, particularly at diagnosis, is very, very similar because I think we all go into our 20-week scan. Well, I certainly do, and a lot of people I know and have spoken to, you go into your 20-week scan thinking everything's just going to be okay. You know, you know in the back of your mind that there's a, a chance that something may not be in your, it's the, they call it the anomaly scan here to check for these anomalies. But I think, you you know, it's a, you never think it's going to happen to you. So we went for the scan and actually for us, it was, it was quite a tricky situation because they couldn't get a clear picture of Zach's mouth. So she'd done the whole thing and she kept coming back saying, oh, I wish he'd just move his hand to see his mouth. And she was really focusing. But even then, you know, you're just thinking, oh, come on, Zach, move your hand. <laughs> and so then they, she said, look, I think I can see a cleft lip, but I cannot be sure because his hand's in the way. We don't have a clear view can you come back in a couple of hours and we'll see if he's moved and we'll try again to get a clearer view. But you in, immediately in that moment, you know that they wouldn't say it unless they were pretty sure. And for me, certainly, I didn't really know anything about cleft. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know. All I was really hearing is that something's not quite right. Something mm -hmm. is different. And the sort of journey after that, it was confirmed that afternoon, we saw the consultant who all they could really tell us at that stage was that it was a cleft lip and potentially palate, but actually in utero, there is no way of them knowing for sure whether the palate is affected. And really you know, I, I will be quite harshly honest in, in my story because I think it's really important if anybody ever gets any form of diagnosis, there are thoughts that you feel incredibly guilty about. And it's quite important to know that other parents are having all of those thoughts. We did have the discussion, bearing in mind, we knew nothing about cleft. We did have the discussion on the way home 
do we still want to have this baby? You know, is this, we've got Max to think about what are the challenges going to be? We had no concept of what this meant. We had been explained that I might want to consider having an amniocentesis, which for anyone that doesn't know is basically a test to confirm whether there are other chromosomal issues in the pregnancy. It does have a risk of miscarriage to it. It's a very, very small risk, but nonetheless, it's a risk. And it basically means a very large needle going into the um, uterus and taking fluid, amniotic fluid, and then they will test that fluid. So they kind of said to us, it was completely my decision, but to go back and have that. So on the journey back, I just remember feeling completely overwhelmed, emotional, but equally it hadn't really sunk in. So you're, it's sort of a very strange practical view as well. And then we talked about it a lot and it was, I have to say, I think that deciding whether to have the amnio was one of the hardest parts of the pregnancy. I think I saw you just after we'd made the decision to have Mm -hmm. it and we were waiting to get the date for the amnio. I think I was actually at your house when the hospital called me. That's (laughs) Um, right. And but it was a it was a really difficult decision because it is against every logical bone in your body to do anything that puts your baby at risk. You know, you're 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 making a choice. Do I do this when there is a chance my baby might not survive? And everything tells you don't take any risk. But for us, the major factor was Max. We had to consider if there were severe chromosomal issues that were linked to the cleft then we had to consider the impact that that may have on on our lives, but predominantly on Max's life. So eventually, having done a lot of research and all the data analysis, which is my my go-to, we decided it was the way forward. And that was that was quite an emotional decision, but absolutely the right decision for us, not the right decision for everyone. I see a lot of cleft mm-hmm. parents really agonizing over that decision. It is, I think, something like a 0.1% chance of miscarriage, but to know that there's any chance for most parents is, as I say, horrible. Anyway, we had the amnio, all the results came back completely positive. So then we are in a situation where we know that it's just the cleft, mm-hmm. but of course we have no idea what that means. And then you have 20 weeks really of waiting to find out how severe is it going to be because Mm -hmm. they can't really give you too much information in in utero. Obviously, we didn't know if the palate was involved. The lip is, it impacts on a very aesthetic level. The palate has more developmental issues with it. Mm -hmm. But the awful thing was for us, we almost felt more upset by the lip than the palate at the time because we didn't understand Mm -hmm. um what the you you sort of think well yeah we can overcome developmental things we've got it we can I can put a strategy in place for that but we really struggled with the idea of our baby coming out not looking Mm -hmm. as we imagined our baby to look um and I remember so many parents there's a, a fantastic charity called Clapper in the UK, CLAPA, which is a f- charity f- which provides amazing support for cleft parents and children. And they have a Facebook community. And I remember all of these parents seeing them write, you know, you get the diagnosis and you think, oh my goodness, I'm not going to love this child the same, or I don't want, I don't love the way my child's going to look and my child's not going to be perfect and all these worries about that. And then them say, but as soon as your baby's born, that all goes out the window. And Alex and I sort of quietly, I remember one evening 
had both quietly admitted to each other, sort of feeling very guilty about our thoughts, but we just said, I just don't think that's going to be us. I'm not, I'm not going to love this baby. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good it, in the same way that we love Max's perfection. And this is baby isn't going to look the same. And mm-hmm. is it going to be quite a, a sort of ugly baby? And you sort of have these thoughts, we had these thoughts and we thought we're really, then you are suddenly thinking, oh my gosh, I'm this person I didn't know I was. I'm shallow and I'm, you know, got characteristics that I really don't like in myself that I'm finding out about. And we really did believe, you know, we're just not like all these parents. We, maybe we're awful people, but we're just not going to feel that. We're, we're always going to see the cleft. We're always going to see it. We can't wait for that first surgery when they deal with the cleft and it's gone. We just want that time to come. And we mm. the, we are obviously not as good people as the rest of these people, but that's how we feel. We can't help it. Mm. And we went through pretty much the whole pregnancy sort of, the rest of the pregnancy was saying, are you feeling any better about it? And I think sometimes we would say we were, but we were probably just trying to tell ourselves that we were, whether really in the mm-hmm. back of our mind, we thought, no, this is, you know, and, fe- and, and then of course there's a huge amount of anger that we felt as well. Why us? You know, why, why does this have to happen to our baby and to our family? And, you know, initially you, you don't have a baby there. So you're thinking about you and your baby that is there rather than the impact it's going to have on Zach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. So Cass, I mean, I, I want to pause there before you get on to um, little Zach being born, because obviously there's just some incredible parts to that journey and, and you can tell us whether or not you did fall in love with him. <laughs> but I first want to just go back to the stage of pregnancy. And I can remember very clearly you were actually at my home and you got the phone call from the hospital. And, you know, you were really tossing up some very hard decisions at the time because, you know, aside from the risk of losing Zach, there was also the risk that the results could come back negatively. And, and then you'd have to face some very, even maybe even more tough decisions. I was sitting across from you and I was looking at you as I am now and I was very burdened for what would come out of my mouth and what I could say. And I think a lot of moms who are listening may not necessarily themselves be have a cleft baby and we know that, I, I, I think you told me, was it one in seven Hundred. One in 700 are born with a cleft. So that's actually in the UK, three cleft okay. babies a day are okay. born. Which is not an s- insignificant number. I mean, it's more than people realize. But you and I did a survey yesterday on my Instagram page to find out how many mums had been touched by clefts. And so either had a baby with a cleft themselves or knew of somebody who did. And the unbelievable number was 30%. So mm-hmm. one in three parents on the ParentSense page, on, on, on the Meg Fora page, in fact, it was, have been touched by a, a family who have a cleft baby. And so they have definitely sat like I did and looked at their friends and wondered what is the right thing and wrong thing to say. And I wonder if you could help us there a little bit. Just give us some guidelines of the things that are really not helpful to say or to hear and the things that really do, you know, what, what how people who don't have cleft babies can respond. I think it's a really interesting one because at the time I didn't even know what the right thing to say or do was. So even, I mean, even now you, you, I suppose there's, there's, I think the trouble is, is everybody's different to what they're Mm going to react to and what they're not going to react to. And I think I was having quite harsh thoughts myself. So probably could have dealt with some harsher comments myself because 
if anything, it may have given me comfort that I wasn't an awful person. But I know a lot of mums and dads of cleft babies are re- really do struggle. I think the struggle comes more when the baby is born and people's reaction to the baby itself. One of the things that I would say that really helped me or was really touching was when people asked questions to and wanted to know more you know asked where can I find out more because mm-hmm. I think that that made me really feel like those people cared they were um, invested yeah but I think we we often live in a world where we're too scared to ask more questions or mm-hmm. and maybe it's that we don't mm-hmm. want to look ignorant or maybe it's that we don't want to ask to pry but the I remember friends sort of saying to me I, I'm sorry, I don't really know what, what does that mean? Can you give me any information? And I would send them the Clapper website and be say, you know, just read this. This has got everything you need to know to understand. And maybe it's worth, if people do what we can put the website mm. in the show notes or whatever it's called for, for, for this, yeah, um, because they'll explain things far better than I um, ever can. But I think that was, that's the thing is the, not not worrying about looking ignorant because I didn't know any I didn't know what a cleft meant I didn't know Mm. how severe it was I didn't know what impact that would have on a baby you know and I think I think that's thing the other thing that some people said which I did find unhelpful and I know that they were just trying to be really kind was they'd say things like but he'll have the surgeries and then it will all be fine Mm. and I really felt like that was belittling what we were about to go through Mm. it was sort of a you know, it could be a lot worse. He'll just, and of course it could have been so much worse. Mm -hmm. And I was very aware of that, but we still had a very, on a practical level, yes, Zach will have surgeries. And as an adult, he will be absolutely fine. There are plenty of examples of people who, you know, in in the, the celebrity world who have had were born with a cleft and are absolutely fine. I think Hakwin Phoenix. I know. I, well, I was just, <laughs> funny enough, I was watching the trailer of Napoleon last night and he's Napoleon. And oh my gosh, he is just so hot. And I looked at my husband and I said, I think he had a cleft. So, and yeah. we do know having met Zach, well, I actually don't want to take away all the thunder because we'll talk about how gorgeous Zach is just now. But <laughs> but I agree with you. You know, it's certainly, you know, it it, it is something that long-term doesn't have to, you know, yeah. affect them aesthetically. Absolutely. But I think the- It's not helpful to hear that. On a very practical level, it is. But, yeah, yeah, because there's actually- there it's still a hugely emotional journey for mm. for and i you know as we say was i can talk a bit about what the actual reality of having a cleft baby is yeah. but also in that moment for that parent who's had that diagnosis it's huge mm. you know it's it's everything the thoughts you know you you go to have your second baby and you imagine what it's going to be like this episode is brought to us by parent sense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that help you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. First of all, you think, I kind of know what I'm doing this time around. You've got images of the two brothers, you know, playing together Mm. and 
you know, it all being quite easy and we, you know, in our eyes, we were very lucky we've got a nanny. And so I was going to, you know, leave her with these two boys and they were going to be the best of friends and I was going to go off to work and it was just going to, we were going to have this lovely family and, you know, every, the, the, the bow in the bundle of the the image, you know, was was a certain way, and we had a certain vision, and everything was, you know, Zach Ward's going to take the same path that Max took, and then suddenly that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And because you don't understand it, you start to catastrophize things, you know, in your head, and you read things, and you know, in my mind, I thought, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to leave him. So I'm not going to be able to work. So we're not going to be able to afford this house that we're living in. So, you know, what we actually, we've mm-hmm. just moved into this house. What do we need? And suddenly having had mm-hmm. a cleft diagnosis, I'm thinking we need to move into a smaller house. That mm-hmm. like, cause my mind mm-hmm. had gone in this mm-hmm. direction. So there are a lot of ripple effects of, the, of these sorts of things that do become huge in a parent's life and and the impact seems huge. So in that moment when you're sort of saying, and they're trying to be reassuring saying, he'll have the surgeries and everything will be fine well a we don't know that because we don't know how severe it is so Mm. you know and b there are other impacts he might have to be tube fed he Mm. might have hearing loss he might have he might not be able to speak properly he you know there are lots of other impacts that a cleft can have on children Mm. um in most cases the you know if there are any speech challenges they are up to a average speaking level by the age of five certainly by the age of the time they're going to school with hearing they usually grow out of any hearing challenges at six or seven and Um, do do those hearing losses if they are hearing losses can those get diagnosed quite early yeah so the amazing thing is as soon as you are diagnosed this is in the UK so I must just Mm. caveat this is the UK I don't know how it works anywhere else but in the UK as soon as you are diagnosed you are assigned uh, a cleft team now Mm. for us we are obviously in Jersey so that cleft team is in London Mm. but it's your closest cleft team or the most convenient cleft team and in that team you are assigned a cleft nurse a surgeon an audiologist, a speech and language therapist, a psychologist, an orthodontist, and I think also a dentist is in that team as well. And that is your child's cleft team. And aside from maybe retiring or moving on, those people will look after you, your family throughout the whole journey, which the majority of the journey is, from what I understand, kind of the the final surgery it, it, i should caveat the final definite surgery is between 7 and 11 years old mm. there may be additional surgeries required but there are certain set surgeries that occur mm. Mm. and then you know but but that support from for example psychologist in the teenage years if Zach looks different or mm. something mm. that you know it, it will impact the way he looks and as a teenager that can be quite difficult, you know, mm-hmm. kids Kids can be cruel at the best of times. Yeah, so you do catastrophize what could happen in the teenagers. And that's why the psychologist is so amazing. You know, when we're talking mm-hmm. about th- that psychologist will be assigned to Zach and he will have, in this case, it's a her, I think, he will have her to talk to right up through mm-hmm. those teenage mm-hmm. years. So it, you know, it's a practically, it might be the surgeries are done, but there's an emotional yeah. side to Important, it for, yeah. yeah. So quite remarkable that you have this whole team. Now, I know that one of the questions in the second half of your pregnancy was how severe is this going to be? And there is definitely a scale when we start to talk about clefts from very minor cleft lips all the way through to the more severe 
soft and hard palettes. Could you talk through that range and then use that as a segue to go into how how you established what where he was just after birth? Yeah, so there's there's either unilateral or bilateral cleft lip so and palate but so a unilateral basically means it affects one side bilateral means it affects both sides Zach was so that would be a gap between running down from the nostril down towards the lip on both sides so it's actually yes but it's actually the other way around because okay. it's from the lip up, okay, up to um, the nostril, yes. Because, and the reason I say that is because you can have an incomplete or a complete. So okay. an incomplete doesn't go all the way up to the nostril. A complete will go all the way up. So Zach is complete. He's. We knew this during pregnancy. We knew that he was going to have a complete bilateral cleft lip, which aesthetically did, is the furthest along that you can could know about at that stage. That's as far as we could know. In terms of his palate, he has no roof to his mouth. But we, obviously during pregnancy, they said they really did feel that the palate was going to be impacted, but they could not tell us mm. for sure. Okay. So we were kind of warned that it was a possibility and probably quite likely, but we didn't know for sure whether it was going to be impacted. And that's really difficult as well, you know, that you can't know about palate because you then don't know well okay is it just going to be he has his lip fixed in a surgery and then that really is the end of it really mm-hmm. because there's no internal impact or are we looking at we have these longer term issues mm-hmm. uh, the other the other, i mentioned a surgery between 7 and 11 that is to do with the the gum um, it's an orthodontic okay. um, piece. Basically, I didn't know this, but adult teeth has to grow through bone mm-hmm. uh, when it comes through. And obviously, because if they have a complete cleft um, across the, the gum, there is no bone there. Okay. So they need to do a bone graft before the adult teeth come in where they take bone from the child's hip mm-hmm. and then complete the jaw so that the teeth can grow through. Cass, it really is quite an all-encompassing condition. This it's hard. So, so yes, take that's... us through. So, so take us through now the moment that he's born, because obviously this is a high-risk birth because they don't know what they don't know. I don't he's... think there was a medical professional in Jersey that didn't know about <laughs> Cassidy and her cleft baby. <laughs> and actually, that's another thing because we live in such a small place. I happen to know that the lady who did Pilates after me was a pediatrician, and I remember being so emotional after we got the, and so panicked and Mm. just not understanding. And I went to Pilates and she was going in after me and I am so embarrassed, but I completely accosted her. And I said, you don't know me, my baby's just been diagnosed. What did, and she was just, you know, you have to talk to to a doctor, not me now. And I was just, you know, because I just thought, oh my God, please someone give me something. Please someone give me some information. Some tell me it's going to be okay. So I'm very sorry to that. If she's listening, I'm very sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, so, so everybody knew we were on red alert and the, the major difference really for, oh, well, so there were other, having had, I don't know if, if anyone remembers, but I had probably the easiest pregnancy I could have ever wished for with Max. There were multiple other things that occurred during my pregnancy with Zach. I um, had hyperthyroidism at 37 weeks. I was also diagnosed with gestational diabetes, which was a real shock. And I'd had hyperemesis in the first trimester, which actually also led me to 
uh, be quite what because they say part of one of the, one of the many reasons that you potentially may have a cleft baby is if you haven't had enough folic acid in the early mm. stages of your pregnancy. And I wasn't able to keep anything down at all. So my, I had this concern of was it that I had been mm. taking them the supplements but nothing had stayed in I was assured that that was probably not the case it does just happen randomly, randomly. so but so I'd had hyperemesis in the first trimester then we got the diagnosis then I had the amnio then I got hyperthyroidism then I got gestational diabetes oh so but so because of the gestational diabetes they we had been considering or I'd been asked to consider a c-section for the birth, which I really didn't want to, I really loved childbirth with Max. Anyway, I was lucky enough that the gestational diabetes wasn't severe enough and I was able to have a natural birth, but they were going to have, I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to go too far over term. Uh, however, luckily for Zach, I was at my client's office on the Friday, said goodbye to everyone, said I probably won't come in next week because I'm 39 weeks next week. And luckily I didn't because on the Monday at 4.30 in the morning, I went into labor. <laughs> my waters <laughs> broke, which I had, again, hadn't had the experience of my waters breaking with Max. I'd been in hospital when that had happened. So I was very confused. I didn't know if I'd become incontinent overnight <laughs> or if I had actually, yeah. my waters had broken. But because of the cleft, I had to go straight into hospital. Hospital. There was no sort of waiting to get to second mm -hmm. stage or anything mm -hmm. like that I, because it was vital that I was in hospital for Zach when he was born mm -hmm. because obviously they needed to take him straight into neonatal. So we we rushed off to hospital. I won't go into too much detail about the birth, but it was super speedy. <laughs> he, in fact, the doctors checked me, I think, at at nine o'clock and he said we'll come back in four hours to see how you're doing because I was only three centimeters two hours later Zach was with us in the world oh, my word. <laughs> and I'd oh, said to the midwife I think he's coming she said no I don't think so let's just have a look and I was like no <laughs> I have to push now <laughs> and I actually um, I was very lucky I had my trousers down to be honest it was that close wow so but because of that that does need so Zach actually when he was born he wasn't responding he was quite blue he did cry initially when he was born but once he was then sort of breathing and lying down his tongue kept flopping backwards and causing problems wow. so he was immediately taken from me the buzzer was did sounding. you see him I was holding and, him initially. and what was your immediate response to him did you did you have the rush of oxytocin and the falling in love or did you was it like oh my gosh, this is a shock. This is... It wasn't a shock. So we had done, again, this is something that's offered in the UK. You can go for a 4D scan that's paid for by the charity Clapper. Mm. And the the benefit of the 4D or 3D, 4D is the video, 3D obviously yeah. is, is 3D. You can see your baby in 3D mm. form in utero. Now, of course, it doesn't give you an exact picture, but you get a much clearer idea of what mm. to expect when the baby's born. And they do recommend it here for cleft parents so that they, that sh initial shock mm. maybe isn't there. Mm. And we were therefore a bit more prepared. There are parents who have no idea until birth that their yeah. baby's going to have a cleft. So, you know, that, mm. that would be a huge shock. So it was as I had expected it to look. I'd looked at enough pictures of other children also, he was so tiny that actually, therefore, in, at that time, the cleft is very tiny. But mm. to be honest, it was so quick. I, I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, it's as you expected. And what I do remember thinking is, because there'd been a bit of hope in me that it wouldn't be as bad. Mm. 
And I remember just saying to myself, okay, it is, it is as bad mm. as we thought it was going to be. That, mm. that hope was in that moment gone, but no sort of, oh God, <laughs> but yeah. I had just given birth. I was a bit delirious and they sounded the buzzer for Zach very quickly and also had to sound the buzzer for me because the, due to the speed of the birth, I actually started losing, I lost quite a bit of blood quite suddenly. Mm. So my poor husband was standing between um, my bed and then they had the neonatal team that had been rushed in and had the oxygen mask on Zach and were holding his head and trying to hold his tongue and trying to hold it, hold his head in a position that stopped his tongue falling back. How did that stop? Because he, I mean, he hasn't had any other apnea episodes. So how did it, does he just learn to keep Drink. his tongue forward? It's just strength, strength, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, right. he's just so floppy when he's fat and doesn't mm. has never had to do it. And and it was a short period of time because they actually had the equipment ready to put him on a breathing support. Mm. And by the time they got him to neonatal, they didn't, didn't have it. to do that. Mm. But they they had all the strapping around mm. his bed and everything too because they thought they were going to be strapping him up. So yes, my poor husband Zach's on one side with a team around him, and then the next thing I'm on the other side with a team around me. They're putting drips into me and mm-hmm. you know doctors coming in and everything mm-hmm. and Alex is just standing there going oh my god which way do I go and he said right. he he just had a moment where he thought Cass is going to be furious with me if I don't listen to what they're saying about Zach <laughs> she's <laughs> going to ask me so many questions <laughs> and I need to know the answers so he he gravitated to go towards oh, Zach so yeah the birth was itself and then everything calmed down but by the time I didn't have a team around me Zach had been taken he was in neonatal mm-hmm. by then so they sort of said when do you want to go and see him now <laughs> I want to go now yeah. Yeah. and so we went through and I think it wasn't so much that it was a shock and I wouldn't say that I was in love immediately at all but then interestingly I don't know if I felt that with Max either I don't mm-hmm. know if I had this again Max was taken from me for for mm. I don't know if people remember but he was taken he was born with an infection so he was taken mm. from us quite quickly so we didn't have that bonding time with him and so I think that's quite key that possibly that oxytocin and falling in love happens while you're holding your baby skin to skin in that moment although the- you know I mean and and I'm just sorry to interrupt you there Cass but you know I think that and we've we've actually done episodes on this that bonding is such a variable thing, and you can have a baby who is on your chest with you, you know, no no you know kind of cleft lip or cleft palate, and and be not fall in love at all, and mm, it can take mm. months. And you know, mm. and I think that's one thing that parents all need to hear. You know, there's this romanticized view of as your baby hits your chest, you're going to fall in love, and it does happen. It certainly does happen, but for some parents, it just doesn't, and mm. it takes a long time, regardless of what the baby looks like, and regardless of whether or not they're with you. So, and I think it's important to normalize that as well, because people mm. don't all fall in love instantly. It's it's kind of this expectation, and I think a lot of people find their babies quite ugly on the day that they're born, and it takes a few days to kind of fall in love and go, oh my goodness, this baby is so beautiful, and I love oh it. Oh my so goodness, much. Max looked like Winston Churchill. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know. No, and and I think it's absolutely true. I think I had always tried to find an excuse as to why I didn't feel that, and I yeah. sort of told myself, "Oh, it's because they were taken away." But the the reality is, I, I just yeah. didn't feel. I just didn't feel that. And I, I would be interested. I think it's a poll that I must definitely do is to know how many parents actually do for, feel it on the day the baby's born, and and for others, how long did it take? Was it a week or three weeks, or was it actually six, seven months? Which also does happen, certainly. Well, I remember a friend who had a baby not long 
after Zach and she messaged me saying, my goodness, I just love him. So I can't, I can't love anything more. And, you know, really sort of just mm. telling me how much she adored her baby. And I remember thinking, do you really, or do you think mm. you, because I'm not feeling that, is that that you really mm. feel that? Or mm. do you think that's what you should be saying? I don't know. Yeah. And you see parents who are listening to this, like I'm, I'm a parent who's listening to this and mine, mine are kind of, you know, in close to their twenties or, you know, my youngest and she's, she's 18. And of course, in my head, I'm thinking I fell in love instantly. But the truth is, just like we spoke about right at the beginning of this episode, is that you've actually forgotten, you know, and I think that often happens is that people look back and they go, oh, I'm sure there was instant love. Although I must say with M, with my third, I don't think it happened like that because, I mean, I had had a cesarean section. I was in a huge amount of pain. I had two toddlers who were all over me and, you know, creating more pain. So, yeah, I, I don't know that necessarily I did fall in love instantly, but yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing with Zach is that there were so many practical things to get through yeah. that I think I also Some was boxes uh, that you had to there tick. wasn't yeah, there wasn't a honeymoon period mm, for, for mm, us with Zach. Mm, mm. Absolutely. There I have some lovely pictures of me holding him. And I remember thinking, I am going to do everything in my power to protect you and to make mm, this all okay. Mm. But I didn't, I didn't think, it, it, yeah, the emotional side wasn't there. So we had a few hurdles that he had to get through before he could leave hospital as well. So he had to pass some tests. He had to be able to sit in a car seat. He was all hooked up to monitors and that sort of thing. But of course, the big one was feeding for for Zach. Was he going to be able to feed? We knew, and another hugely difficult thing for me during pregnancy was I knew I wasn't going to be able to breastfeed him. That wasn't going to be an option. And I'd breastfed Max. I'd loved breastfeeding. I think I actually talked, got quite emotional when we were talking about me finishing breastfeeding with Max on, on the podcast. And But I knew I was there was no chance of me breastfeeding Mac, uh, Zach at all. And that was really hard for me yeah. to come to terms with. It's the next stage was, were we even going to be able to bottle feed him or was it going to have to be tubes because cleft babies sometimes have to be tube fed. They can't have a bottle because there's no palate. They can't suck. So that's why the, the bottles sometimes have are a challenge. Although he is on specialist bottles, we lucky he was able to feed. He didn't have to go onto tubes. They tested him. It was the most ridiculous situation I've ever had for the first 24 hours. Of course, Zach decided to come on a bank holiday. So his cleft team were not contactable the day he was born. And the team in Jersey weren't experienced enough to try mm. oral feeding. They said, you know, they just, and, and mm. they did speak to somebody at the cleft team and they said, don't do any oral feeding until, you know, the team are back. So he was on tubes for 24 hours. Mm. And then I had to give him a bottle on his, on day two. And I had the Jersey speech and language therapist who also, is, she specializes for the feeding, the Jersey breastfeeding specialist, the neonatal nurse, and then on video conference, my the cleft nurse. Wow. All of these people around for us. Nothing to like a bit first, of pressure. First bottle feed. But he took it amazingly mm. and he's been on bottles ever since. And he is a chunky, chunky monkey. He likes That's his food. Amazing. So we were mm. really lucky on that level. I don't know how 
I was really worried about the tube feeding because obviously then you've got to learn a whole new skill. And if they pull out the tube, you've got to go back into hospital regularly for them to put the tube back in. It adds a whole other level. I don't really know what differentiates them between whether they can or can't, why some can, why some can't. I've Mm. never really understood that Mm. because as I say, Zach literally has no roof to his mouth. When he opens his mouth, you can see his septum and that's all that's, that's up top. Yeah. So, you know, we we were very lucky. Yeah. Cass, what an unbelievable story taking you through until the day he was born. I want to read a message that you wrote on the day that he was born. And this is your very first message said after he was born. So we had all wished you congratulations and you said, thank you all. Zach is beyond gorgeous were your first words about him. I'm awaiting the video consult with his specialist in London tomorrow to know if they're happy for him to try oral feeding rather than tubes. But other than that, he's doing well. Feisty, strong and fidgety have so far been the words that have been used to describe him by the nurses. And of course, that is him. I do want to add for everybody, because I have obviously seen and held him that he is utterly gorgeous. I mean, there is just no other way to describe him. He is a very, very good looking boy. And I think, you know, I mean, when I, I, you you just see past it, I, I don't know that you even see the cleft when, when you get to know him. And so he really is a gorgeous boy. But of course, that doesn't take away from the fact that this is a massive journey. Mm. And I think, unfortunately, we don't have more time, although I think we must definitely do another conversation about this because there are people who are going to want, want to know more. But you did mention to me when we came on today that he has got his first date for his first surgery. And when is that? Yeah. So this morning we got the call. It's on the 15th of February. So that's a month away from today. Um, So, and I think, I think it would be that there have been a lot of challenges that have come in those first few months. And I think you and I have discussed that some of those are actually relevant, whether you have a cleft or not. You know, Zach, for example, he can't suck but what that means is he can't self-soothe with a Mm. dummy but it you know so we've had to find alternative ways to help him soothe the first few months were very challenging because his only Mm. comfort was being on though he was on me all the time and that was really tough Um, but and and the next sort of sort of just while we're talking about that cleft journey and the emotional side of it what I do know is that we have a very having during antenatally thinking we couldn't wait for this first surgery Mm. and that I'm already going to get emotional I wish Mm. I could just hit pause now Mm. Mm. once that surgery happens the little boy that we have fallen in love with will Mm. never be there again his face he will be there of course Mm. but Mm. we will never see this face again and that's our baby so yeah yeah I mean that's really huge Cass I mean he is he is going to look very different. And we are, we've all just fallen in love with who he is right now. <laughs> uh, of course, his feisty character and who he is inside. And we'll talk about his social, his personality, but he is a social butterfly. That will all be there. Absolutely. But his and face And he's got change. a huge, huge smile. One of the best things about cleft babies <laughs> yes. is how big their smile is because there's no limit. <laughs> their mouth doesn't, it's not it's joint. It takes over his face. He yeah. really is. He's utterly gorgeous and we, we just adore him. But his so, eyes really smile when he smiles and that will still stay the same. So yeah. that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Cass, what an incredible journey you've got ahead of you. And thank you so much for sharing. You have the most amazing way of making things that, you know, are, are really hard, you know, kind of talking about them and sharing them. And and we do really appreciate that. I know that there'll be lots of parents, both of cleft babies and those who've been touched by families with cleft babies who will really have appreciated this. So thank you for sharing today. No, that's a pleasure. And I think, you know, it's the case with any 
diagnosis maybe if you when you go for that 20 week scan if your baby isn't going to look how you initially mm. imagined it doesn't just have to be a cleft it it there are all sorts of thoughts that you I think I really want to stress you're not a bad person for having mm. because probably every single person is having them we maybe mm. don't want to admit them but we're all having because it's completely natural yeah. and I think we gave ourselves a really hard time that we were actually thank goodness we had each other both having the same mm. thoughts but we gave ourselves a really hard time so yeah. you know don't, don't do that if you if you are having those thoughts yeah well I know I said to this to you at the time when I was trying to find the words which I really <laughs> found very difficult when you were when this when this the, you got the diagnosis early on is that Zach chose the right parents and that is yeah. absolutely a fact I mean you absolutely. and and Alex are just remarkable the way that you handle things and your candor telling each other that you know I don't know if I'm going to fall in love with this baby or how he looks you know we feel so shallow and being able to actually say that to each other yeah we're um, very lucky yeah you are and very- I remember we we that's how we felt eventually in in the pregnancy we actually saw it as a huge compliment that you know whatever whether, however the universe works the fact that we had been chosen mm. to be the parents actually meant that it was a huge compliment to us as, mm. as people that that Zach had decided we were the people who who were going to look after him and, mm. and help him through this journey and it was it was a huge compliment of course and I think you guys are the blessing in his life and I think equally he is going to be a massive blessing. Absolutely. He is already a massive blessing in your lives. Yeah, absolutely. Cass, thank you so much for today. I do appreciate it. And we will definitely thank catch you. up again. Definitely. Thanks so much, Meg. Good. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.